your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama Podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, blessings, everybody. Well, today we're back again, and we got some uh, we got some follow-up. We're going to continue on in the book of 1 Peter. Today we'll be going through chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So if you're reading your from your uh, Lutheran Study Bible, we'll find that we're following along with the outline in there. And um, also, don't forget in the Lutheran Stuff No Drama uh, Facebook group, there's a place where you can ask questions each week, and we'll pick one and and or two and and answer them on the show. So be sure to do that. And always, as always, thank you for uh, the wonderful, faithful listenership that we have in our in our group of about 1,250 people. So let's begin uh, in chapter two. It begins this way. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once... You were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Oh. Amen, amen, amen. All right, here we are. Here's, you know, here's something that really makes me glad because Peter, and I'm I'm guilty of this, so this is part confession. <laughs> um, <laughs> Peter, oftentimes in many of our lectionary readings, um comes off as um you know we have him being like oh yay peter then the get thee behind me satan peter like he's mr um has no control over his impulses 
And so, and oftentimes, you know, when I was first starting to study the Bible, that's kind of how I thought about Peter was being like um, Jojo, the wonder dog, you know. And um, so, but now when we start reading First Peter, what I see here is Peter being very passionate, but also being very thoughtful and very Christ-centered and, and extremely biblical. And so... All of that kind of rubber balling around that he did around Jesus, it wasn't for nothing. Uh, yeah, and we, we see with that, you know, how life is influenced by the Holy Spirit, whereas, you know, when he's he's learning from Christ, uh, you know, the, the full measure of the Spirit's not there until Pentecost, so... It's not to say the spirit's not there, but we see the the much more weakness of the of the flesh, right? Absolutely. And uh, I I wanted to point out as a good rule of thumb, we want to not that the chapter two starts with so. Well, what's the so? We want to go back up and 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 read and and that is. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, because the gospel's preached to you, now exhortation, right? So, <laughs> mm -hmm. since, since the gospel, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So it's because, because you are saved, now this. Well, right, and it's it's good, you know, him him starting off with, uh, you know, with all this being said, you know, <laughs> in, in the first chapter, given, and, and he, you know, given that this is all true, he starts off to saying, I said this so that I can say this. And, and that's another thing that, why you say that Peter is being thoughtful. He's he's or mindful. He's he's putting it all into perspective. And so chapter one was this amazing preface, right? And then he comes into two going, here we go. Let me tell you why anything I just said matters. <laughs> so I do love that. And that's that's a that's an amazing thing. Um, so uh and so he when goes. It says like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk. That's that's a big distinction in scripture. The author of Hebrews in chapter the end of chapter five, beginning of six says, uh, "You are on milk, and you should be eating meat." Mm -hmm. So I mean, the command to to us as Christians is never to stay with the elementary simple doctrines but to advance in our learning and come to a fullness of revealed knowledge in Christ exactly um, he has a I don't know I just gotta say there's just um, there's something about this as a theologian myself that I just especially I don't know it's like the sound of packing bubbles popping it's extremely satisfying 
Yeah, <laughs> it's like watching it's like watching you know uh, a really sharp knife cut through something with a really clean cut, because um, what he's doing is he does what every bush leaguer dreams of doing, always bringing us along the trail, always bringing us along, and bringing us to Jesus and saying and not being afraid to paint a picture, saying, "Here's what it looks like." Um, so, I mean, it, it's interesting to say that put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So, you know, all in, in, in light of all of the wonderful things that Christ has done for you, um, here's things you just don't need anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's not to say, I mean, uh, we do believe that we are like Peter. We are the... They are the blessed are you, Simon Barjona, and get behind me, Satan, you know, sinner, saint. Um, and so it's okay to point out to say that these are tools that our boxes don't need, but sometimes they work their way in there, and, and he'll get to that. But he says this because in, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Isn't this... This sounds to me a lot like the higher things motto, you know, for example, that uh, they will say that Christianity is something you grow into, not out of. And um, and so there's this thing that there is a maturation process like your kids are just as much of a Christian as you are, but you are a more mature one. So, you know what I'm saying? I love that. I love that motto. I hadn't heard that. And my pastor, I won't name names, if you're listening, you were supposed to take me this year, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I want to point out, too, I think it's important that we point out some of the simile, right? Because we're, we're taking back from the Reformed, is what we said last time, right? Uh-huh, absolutely. So when, Paul, when Peter says, put away all malice, deceit, and hypocrisy... We just got done doing Galatians, guys, and in it, Paul says, I oppose Peter to his face in Antioch because he stood condemned, because he withdrew from the Gentiles and he was eating with the Jews. So, Peter himself was being a hypocrite in, in siding with the Jews and kind of being standoffish with the Gentiles for fear of the Jews. Yeah. But, but yeah, you can see... You can see the, the, the duality of nature, Romans 7 kind of stuff here, you know, that, that he's not condemned, Peter repents, he's forgiven, and he has every right to teach you the law because he's a, he, his authority comes from God as an apostle through the Holy Spirit. But I thought I'd point that out because we're not saying Peter's perfect, and, the, and, and a lot of people will use this stuff to, to really drive a legalist point when this is exhortation, this is like... Man, your team's going to the championship. You did it. You're you're in the final game, so now you need to to train a little harder. You know, eat some better food, get some more rest, right? Mm -hmm. Exhortation. Well, and you know, this is funny. I guess maybe this is why I guess I never fell into, uh, I never fell into either one of those kind of camps. Uh, you know, there was the. It's long since passed, you don't hear it anymore, but the soft antinomian, 
and um, you know that kind of stuff and even though I was accused of it but without any examples ever cited and um, and so the truth of the matter is is I have no problem exhorting people to good works I have no problem I have no problem exhorting people and telling them hey you know what you shouldn't do that or if you're married for example you should do this you know why I say this because Jesus says it so therefore it's okay you can trust it and yes and and if we're getting off a little bit I vouch for Pastor Hoffman he is no antinomian <laughs> and I also have an apology against the term apology means defense against the term soft antinomian yeah. There is no such thing. Go home, pack that up in a box, and take it home. Yeah. Because the confessions teach antinomian and pietism, which is legalist. Yeah. So saying soft antinomian is like trying to slander somebody with Peter saying not to do, but get away with it. That's all yeah. that is, is not being mad enough to say you're an antinomian because they really know the person's not. Yeah, so. I mean, it's like saying, I believe that the term says, I don't think you're preaching enough law for me. Yeah. You know, in well, my opinion. <laughs> Jesus commissioned the, the apostles to preach the gospel. Yeah. Now, we just hyped up exhortation. Like, yeah. Pastor <laughs> and I totally just hyped up how awesome it is. And yeah. we're also telling you, take your soft antinomian, put it in your lunch lunchbox and take it home yeah because that's not a thing put it away with malice and deceit (laughs) put it away with malice and deceit and hypocrisy all that junk it's not a thing (laughs) um because he says this and you know about growing into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the lord is good and you'll notice that that's from the Psalms and also quoted in Hebrews 6.5. So when we see, when we taste and see that the Lord is good, um, you know, as sacramental Christians, we can have a field day on this. And um, as well as uh, the good things, where is it? Psalm 30, 34.8 is, um, oops, darn it. There you go. And... Um, Hebrews 6 5 which I think we should consider podcasting we should seriously consider doing that because um Hebrews is all kinds of is all kinds of squirrely yeah it's all kinds of squirrely people just blow that left and right so we should seriously consider I mean I think what we are like are like the Lutheran Mythbusters (laughs) so um, dude we we totally are brothers from another mother i couldn't agree with you more we we, i think we got to do hebrews for sure understood well so here he is and he's doing what any lutheran is taught to do and by the way i will argue that the historic church has looked to is to say look we're making a point here and the point is is what i'm saying jives with scripture here is the here is the witness to scripture and he makes a witness to scripture that also has another writer making a witness to this scripture too so between peter and the writer of hebrews and of course the psalmist you have this consistent witness uh among three writers in the scriptures so um and so we have that witness right there 
Um, and, and Peter does this. This is what I love about chapter 2 is it's almost all Bible quotes with him giving a little bit of commentary on it. As you come to him, in verse 4, a living stone, and then rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up, a spiritual house, Hebrews again, to be a holy priesthood, to offer uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, how awesome is this confession of faith? And by the way, there are people out here that read this, and it's why we can't have nice things, but we'll get to it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I, I want to hit on the points again. He hits on the Old Testament when he says, um, a spiritual house, that's an Old Testament, uh, a holy priesthood, Old Testament, offer spiritual sacrifices, Old Testament, acceptable to God and Jesus Christ. He's doing the same thing that the author of Hebrews does. And he's, he's taking the Old Testament text and showing you how these things are relatable to the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. How they all pointed due to Jesus. Absolutely. And when you look at these things that they're being compared to, there's no other route to go but Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus himself says, tear this temple down in three days, I'll build it up. And um, and him being our our Melchizedek prophet, priest, and king, you know, I mean, Peter's just going boom, boom, boom. And here, now, do you know what I'm talking about? Why people read this and can't was why we can't have nice things. Um, there's the holy priesthood. When somebody says this to me, and uh, they tell me that's why you don't need actual called and ordained pastors because. Peter says we're a holy priesthood, and I'm like, you're using the word priest like a Catholic priest, okay? Um, and, you know, and that's not what it means, and the Catholics would be offended by this too, because they know that's not what their priests are. And so um, the priesthood is the ones that offer spiritual sacrifices. Well, right away, we don't believe we're offering any spiritual I'm not offering a spiritual sacrifice with the, the Eucharist. And so, you know, I'm just going, there's just too many um, theological train wrecks going on here. And so when we, the, the offers that are made, um, and Paul, I think it was Paul said it in Romans that went into this the most. I keep going back to our Romans, uh, um, our Romans uh, podcast because we, he talked about this as well. And... Um, so when we're talking about, you know, when he calls everybody a priest, uh, and it's funny, the people who say this, that that's what it means, that everybody's a pastor, are the most anti-Catholic kind of, <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just spinning my wheels here, but there's just well, so well, much hypocrisy. Quick, uh, let's do a quick lesson on Old Testament. Like, let's see if I can bang this out in a minute. Um. The priesthood was, was the Levites. After the order of Aaron, God instituted the Levitical priesthood. Only the Levites uh, could offer the, the sacrifices. It was the priests only in the Old Testament who could offer the sacrifices to God. It, only the high priest was allowed in the holies of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God dwelt one time a year on the Day of Atonement, to 
put the blood on the mercy seat, which is a mock-up of the throne room of heaven. Man, we're going to have to do Hebrews, dude. I know. Uh, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'm just saying. Yeah, you're giving it all away. <laughs> well, and, and now what, what Peter is saying, since Christ is your high priest and all this is fulfilled in him, all the ceremonial law is fulfilled in him, you are a royal priesthood, meaning that you don't have to be on the other side of the fence. You get to come directly into God and offer spiritual sacrifice, which is your prayer, your worship, your faith. Mm-hmm. So these are, um, and again, these are things that are given to us by God as were the sacrifices in the temple. And so, again, when people try to just justify why they're messing around with the office of the holy ministry it makes it sad and, and here's why it makes it sad to me i'm not insecure about uh the office that i hold i'm not trying to hold on to the office as some upper class or in some um uh, ivory tower but what i am gonna hold strong to is that i i have a definite biblical vocation and it doesn't make somebody less than me if they don't hold it but it's the same reason a firefighter isn't less than a police officer their vocations have distinct meaning and a policeman doesn't just get to walk into the firehouse and throw on the the the, the equipment and start squirting water on fires any more than a firefighter gets to go into the police station strap on a gun and a badge and whatever so what this does, unfortunately, where, where Peter is trying to point us to Christ, um, uh, the people who read into this stuff, uh, the priesthood stuff, what they've done is instead of pointing us to Christ, they're, they're destroying or they're trying to break down something Christ gave us so that they can point at themselves. And I don't like that. And so, in other words, for these people that they're the ones, it's not me saying it, they're the ones saying, I'm not good enough as a well-informed layman. And I'm over there going, well, I disagree, but, <laughs> but you know, you're not called into the ministry, but that doesn't mean you have to sit there with a hole in your head. It means that, you know, we should all be studying the scriptures, but when it comes to the vocation of a pastor, well, don't don't think that because I have a Bible, I'm a pastor. Well, without a proper call in ordination, you're not. So, anyway. Well, and, that, and that's right. As as a layman, I think I, I will be your example here. I have no business as part of the office of the holy ministry because I I do not have a call, I do not have an ordination, and there was no examination. But. That does not stop me from being a theologian, and that's what Pastor Hoffman is rightly saying. Um, I study theology, I write theology, we're doing a podcast theologically right now for for you all, but one of us has a call and serves a congregation, and one of us swings a hammer. You yeah. know, that's just, you know, God's weird like that. He calls people out of the world, out of all these different places, and some he... He sends it into um, into the harvest to, to be laborers, and some, you know, just are nerds like me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and again, once we once we take the um, once we pull the teeth out of the hurt feelings and everything over that, what you're realizing is you're just saying no. All we're trying to do is recognize vocation. 
and not to minimize somebody for what they don't have. And, and that's, I mean, that's the way I've always looked at it because I haven't always been a pastor, but I've always had pastors that were people who continually pointed me to Jesus. And so that's, that's really, um, and they would give me the sacraments, you know, they would, um, you know, this kind of thing. So I don't know, we have, and, and so with this passage, when people start to tear it down and to say, see, we don't need pastors, and all of a sudden they're saying, we don't need seminaries, and all I need is my Bible. Next thing you know, you just got a bunch of people running around uh, listening to whoever scratches their itching ears, and Peter has warned us about it. I mean, Paul Paul even warned us about that. So we got to just, um, just be clear. And a, and a disclaimer, Pastor Hoffman and I have not learned anything which which he's more learned than i am he knows greek and and don't you you're hebrew too right yeah and Latin. Um, yeah we didn't learn what we know without studying the guys that taught us i mean we were taught all this stuff it's not like we just it was just like poof magic um, <laughs> the, the holy spirit is definitely behind uh all of this to to open the eyes I mean, that's the Holy Spirit is the lens in which we read the scriptures through, but not everything is just going to be magically clear. You know, he's going to give you the clear doctrines of scripture for your salvation. That's what Paul means when he says all scripture is sufficient, but it's not like you're going to be able to exegete a text like this without studying under somebody who teaches. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen when he says, baptize and teach everybody drops off the teach part as if the baptism is done the thing is over no baptize and teach 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 <laughs> absolutely yeah and that's what you're talking about there is what's called the full counsel of god you don't just um as lutherans we we shy away or we despise the topic that when people just sort of salad bar the scriptures and they, they decide not to do the um, the full counsel of God. And the full counsel of God isn't just taking the parts you like. You know, there's, there is scriptural passages that, let's be honest, sometimes they're a little bit um, unnerving. And we have to, we have to struggle with them and we have to, uh, we have to consider them and prayerfully consider them. And, um, and so that's that's really what what we're what we're what we're dealing with. Hard to swallow pills, my friends. Hard to swallow pills, but we've all had to swallow. Okay, so now I am as I look here, and and by the way, what we're talking about is is uh, maturing in the faith and and offer spiritual sacrifices. You know, somebody who's mature in the faith is the one, you know, that is going to be going before God, not to give instruction, but to, that is humble. And um, my, my uncle, who's a, who's a deacon in the, um, in, the, in the Church of Christ, he had this really funny thing, this little pithy saying he would, and I agree with it, he said, you know, remember when you, um, when you show up to church, uh, you're there, you're, you're, you're not there to to lead you're there to report for duty you know you're there to 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 be instructed by the lord 
And so he he had a funnier way of saying it because he's from Texas and they're always you know don't tell Mets I said this but Texans are pretty funny. <laughs> they're they're some of the funniest guys when they want to be funny. There nobody's funnier. So um, great sense well, of humor. Yeah, we're not telling Mets that for sure. <laughs> he doesn't listen to the <laughs> podcast. He's just in the group. Okay, so um, but then he he brings us and he says that you know. You know, how can you say this? You know, because as you come to him as uh, living stone, you know, he says all this. And, and then he says, for it stands in scripture. This is why I'm saying this. Behold, I'm laying uh, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And so he's, he's quoting Isaiah now. And um, even Paul was, Paul quotes this too. And and so honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, uh, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And he's he's um, this is pretty impressive because he says all this stuff, and a lot of times he's he's quoting stuff that he said earlier, or um, this is something that has been quoted by other New Testament authors. But he says, I say all this for a particular reason. Because the Bible says it. <laughs> and so um, then he quotes Isaiah. And if and people know, I mean, Isaiah is a highly read book, even in the synagogues and everything. So and Jesus, as he walked with him, you know, when they said, tell your tell your followers to quiet down. And he said, if I did that, the very stones, the stones would cry out. Yeah. Yes. So and as, as, as a builder. As a builder, see, I could give some some knowledge to the text as 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 a contractor. So, whenever we do a foundation, especially like a, a block foundation, the most important thing to do is your corners first. The corners are always blocked first. That's where your strength is. That's where your building stands, mm -hmm. and that's what Christ is being equated to is the cornerstone of the building. You pull away that cornerstone, the whole thing crumbles. Maybe not immediately, but definitely over time, it's going to start to to show, crack, and it will eventually all come down. So is it fair to say that if you pull the cornerstone out, it's like it's a mortal injury? Oh, absolutely. It's like, it's like a headshot, basically, mm -hmm. uh, if we're speaking in medical terms. So yeah, it may not you may not fall down right away, but that wall is doomed. It's doomed. I, the whole building's doomed because once one shifts, it's gonna pull the whole thing. Okay, so there you go. You heard it from from somebody who knows theology but isn't a pastor, but in his vocation brings something relevant to it. So take that, you you priesthood <laughs> people. <laughs> you soft antinomian. <laughs> I'm like, quit trying to be social justice warriors. <laughs> Hear the gospel. Um, and so, and he says also, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And uh, Isaiah says that as well. And so, he, by the way, he's paraphrasing here. Um, you know, when you look it up in Isaiah, he's, he's paraphrasing it. But he's confessing it. And um, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And who does this? You know, it's not just to say these one person here. 
he's saying that the um you know who who would be destined to do this those who uh reject the 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 stone the cornerstone those people who do not trust in christ you know before we get to predestiny but anybody by the way your destiny uh of unbelief is to become a you know a, a one of these people where the uh unbelief your destiny is to miss christ and so it's not a weird predestination thing it's to say that you know um people that use hard drugs are gonna probably die you know stuff like that and when you say people that drive drink and drive well your destination at the very least is a ticket and uh, mo at worst you're gonna murder somebody or die in a crash so he's not picking out anybody in particular he's picking out the ones who don't believe i actually have a take that he does have a, a particular group based on paul but because he's quoting isaiah yeah that's the only thing so let me give my exegete and, and let me know what you think um because paul says the same thing a stone of stumbling and a rock and a fence but he's talking about the pharisees rejecting it yeah so when when Peter writes, they stumble because they disobey the word they are destined to do, Isaiah says also that the Pharisees in Jesus' time, he says, and Jesus quotes this, seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, lest they turn to me and I would heal them. Now that's not to say, hey, they're predestined to damnation. It's to say God in his foreknowledge saw this. Because we see many of them repent and believe in Pentecost. This Jesus whom you crucified, and they were cut to the heart. Yeah. So that's what I would say, is that, that Peter is probably thinking about the Pharisees in this text. Well, we got to remember, you know, who he's talking to here. And they, well, these people would certainly know the Pharisees. Um but without saying them by name, because uh, certainly his interactions with Jesus and the Pharisees, he's going to see that firsthand. And, um, but I, the, I believe the overarching warning here is, is unbelief is the problem. Um, and, and, of course, many Pharisees proved over and over to Jesus when they were trying to show just how smart they were. Jesus was like, you guys are atheists <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, so. that's for you guys who don't know like wisdom and scripture is Jesus. like the 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 song of solomon the the psalms the you know all the, the the poetry it's it's jesus all the wisdom and that's what paul says in colossians the fullness of god all the wisdom of god is hidden in christ yeah and Again, so that for the people who are always looking for extra biblical sources and things like that, no, just stop. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, it, you know, when Jesus is saying, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have life and you don't know that they bear witness to me. Well, that to me says, um, and it's not just to me, it's said it to the uh, church of, of the, the Christian churches. The scriptures are pointing you to me. And the scriptures 
are pointing you to the Son of God. Scriptures are good, um, but be sure that you're reading the scriptures in the light, in a Christological light. Otherwise, they just become some weird, some weird morality play, and that's just... ah, and that goes back to our talk about about teaching, right, and being taught, so that you don't because. Someone like St. Paul was very well versed in the scriptures, yet he totally missed Jesus. Yeah, and and he was like super smart. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, you can be so smart that you don't know Jesus at all. And um, so, yeah, and I love this. And, and I, we, we'll, we'll, we'll play the alarm in a minute because we're going to get into some more um, of Peter. Um, exhorting but he tells them because this is getting back to the diaspora language but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light now you hear me now listeners um he is talking to christians he is talking to those who have heard the word of God and believed it. And he's telling them that, you know what, as a holy nation, you know what, you shouldn't be afraid to proclaim the excellencies of him or give an account of the hope that is in you that he'll say coming up here pretty soon. And out of darkness, um, Zach does it all the time. And it is a natural part because Zach is part of that chosen race, that royal priesthood, that holy nation. He's somebody who has the word of God on his lips. And if you hang around with him for longer than a couple minutes in any any Facebook group, that's where he's going to take it. And um, so, um, and he says, and here's an interesting thing. Once, and remember these are Jewish people, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, once again, if, that, if that's not a strike against dispensationalism, I don't know what is. I don't either, or the two covenant theory, or anything like that. Because what he's saying is, hey, Jewish people, <laughs> hey, your identity isn't in your Judaism, isn't in Israel, it is in Christ, God the incarnate, the same God who uh, spoke things into creation is the same one who has been and continues to rescue you and to give you your identity. And apart from him, he's like saying you're nothing. And so let's not kid ourselves. I know for some people this is offensive. It is a, it is a stumbling, uh, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to say Jesus is literally for everybody. There is not a people on earth for whom Christ did not die for, whom he did not love and by being a holy nation um a uh, a set apart people um that that nation well that nation that set apartness is with christ and so to say this people are like <laughs> they think we're being elitist and what we're saying is no we're just proclaiming the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I know he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what sounds like high, highfalutin and haughty is actually humble and, and, and faithful and obedient. 
Well, and again, he's playing on the Old Testament themes, which which lets us read the Old Testament with with clarity. Chosen race, royal priesthood. Again, the priests would offer the prayers of the people. So that's your job now, Christian. A holy nation, uh, a people for his own possession. This is all things that were described to Israel, but Israel is the church. That's what Israel comes to. And I also wonder when he say, says, uh, you once were not a people, but now are, are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I wonder if he's playing on Hosea. Oh, that's a good thought. I mean, um, it's Peter, so you know he's calling on the... He is calling on the Old Testament here, and... Um, which, by the way, is is awesome. So, and look for um, look for Zach's rectilinear uh, <laughs> commentary on Christ Christ in the in the Old Testament. But um, you know, Hosea, huh? Well, you know, Hosea, Gomer. Then the the child is no mercy, and God will have mercy on no mercy, right? So. It would fit the way he quotes all over the law and the prophets here. Yeah, that's no. I think that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty. It's pretty tight. I'm uh. There we go. Um. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because um, in Hosea two, I just flipped it open. Um. Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. That's what you're talking about, right? Yep. And, um, yeah, boy, I'll tell you what. Him going, once again, I'm just saying, Peter's a, what we would call a biblical theologian. And, um, and we should be, um... Let's see. One of my, one of my favorite texts while you're looking is... Is the is is in the gospel accounts where, I mean, it's 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 different. You know, you know how they are different a little bit in each one, but where Jesus unlocks the minds of the disciples so that they understand that all the scriptures were written concerning him. Yeah. Well, you know what that should be doing for us is we should be saying, yes, that is awesome. And, um, there's definitely, there's, I don't know. I think it's, I believe that it's an, it's an act of the Holy Spirit in giving us faith that reading that is a source of great comfort to say that all of these things that have been passed down and are true and all of this, uh, they still are and we can still rely on them. And 2000 years ago, Peter was saying, yeah, these scriptures that we've been reading for uh, a thousand years <laughs> they're still totally relevant and, and so, awesome yeah so i don't know it's i'm just saying now in the next this last verse here now i am last two verses it should be through verse 12 uh peter's gonna do some exhorting so if if you're if you're soft on this you're gonna you're about to have your ears bleed um because peter says beloved I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, 
so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So it's another thing to say that, you know what, when you're among those who do not know the way, don't be a jerk, you know, um, don't go at them. And, you know, like Luther would say in the introduction to the how quickly Christians um, uh, destroy their freedom by acting as ignorant hogs, you know, and um, he's pointing them to say, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Don't look like the world when you're around the Gentiles. Um, well, I mean, but, but listen to what he says. Because they wage war against your soul. That's yeah. a Roman 7 moment, right? Oh, yeah. Heads up, man. There's there's a duality of nature in you. Don't give in to the flesh because it's bad for your faith, dude. That's, you know, that's like, don't go do that. Why not? Because it's really bad for your faith. It's really bad for you. You know, and, and it's funny because you get, um, what is it, James, James, James 4, um, yeah, when he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And um, so here's James, the brother of our Lord, even saying this. And, uh, well, and James says these things are to keep you from doing what you want to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, you desire uh, and do not have, so you murder. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> you know, and um, and so he's saying that you know when you're when you're abstaining from this because um, Paul Paul goes into this like a surgeon. Um, he goes into it when he talks about what the flesh is, and James will do it too, but he's saying that, he's showing us that the the fleshly things are incompatible with the things of Christ, the worldly things, the fallen things, the sinful things. They're in conflict. And so keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Isn't that interesting? Is it because the Gentiles are super honorable? No. Um, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So when people are just being terrible to you, um, you know, the point is, is, uh, is to be honorable to them. You know, not repaying evil with evil, for example, you know, so you have this, uh, you have this actual point that he's trying to say that it doesn't matter what they are. Know who you are. And um, I say this to my Bible studies all the time. Whenever I teach a Bible study and they're wondering why I'm not holding classes on what Baptists believe and what blah, blah, blah. I always say to them, you know what? If you really knew what we believed, you wouldn't need to know what a Baptist believes because you could have a conversation with them and find out where they're coming from just by asking a few questions. And guess what? You might make a friend in the process instead of just saying, well, I already know what you believe and shutting off the wall. Ask the questions. Learn more about them. And so um, I always tell people, don't worry about what Catholics, what Presbyterians, what Baptists believe. Just be darn sure that you understand what we as Lutherans do and how we understand how we point things to Christ and then you can have a conversation with anybody 
and it can be fr more fruitful than just shutting it down in the first 10 seconds. Well, and the goal is to actually help them to get them to see Christ and not read everything with a, a lens of legalism. Go yeah. ahead and call me saf soft antinomian, but I'm bigger than you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I'm also, I'm also going to double down because when he says on verse 12, keeping your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable so that when they, when they speak against you, I'm going to go back up to verse 8 and double down on the on the uh, destined to do yeah. is definitely the Pharisees because he's talking to Jews, you know. And then the, the last line when he says they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation, those are Jesus' words that he's stealing now. When Jesus says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Mm -hmm. To the apostles. So... But yeah, I mean, like you were saying, if you're not, if if somebody, because we know a lot, I know a lot, and I know you know a lot of people, and you ask them, what does the Bible mean to you? You know, they'll say, well, it's a good rule book for life or something like that. It's like, oh, I got my work cut out. Yeah, so <laughs> you want to slowly unpack that and be like, well, no, it's all about Jesus. You know, there's rules in there, sure, but it's not about that. That's not the centrality. And this is where we get the, the term, I say Christological, translating it to English, but I've been saying Christological because Pastor Hoffman likes the um, Greek of the Christological. <laughs> I don't want to make my brother stumble. I want to be a, a good Jew here and not... Uh, <laughs> Conduct my my Gentile. I want to conduct myself honorably to the Gentiles. So. <laughs> it's like it's like Doctor uh, Velt's not letting me call P I Pi. It's P. It's P. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to trigger anybody. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, you just you just got to be careful. So, but Zach already said it. You know the the reason why we talk this way to people is so that they will hear good stuff and that our hope in the bush league is that people would come to glorify god that that's that they would say yes he is the lord he is the lord of all he is my savior you know all this stuff and um uh that's really what i'm what what our point is our whole point so and and Peter says it. He's he's exhorted us to do it, and that is what we do. And so and that's okay. <laughs> so you know, I, I keep having to come back to it, and that's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna start using Peter's words though. When when I'm gonna say you know when somebody asks if something's bad, I'm gonna be look man, it wages war against your soul <laughs> in a dramatic tone. <laughs> uh, just to I don't know be relevant and hip um absolutely but that's that's our the goal. old testament themes again soldiers and exiles is an old testament thing where israel went into to exile and they were soldiers in a strange land so that that's that's us as christians when when you see a a, a transgender person reading uh, children's books to children at the library publicly and you're like whoa that's not right 
Yeah, because you're a different person. Like, you know Jesus, and, you know, that's that's going to seem weird to us because that's that's of the world. And our duty is not to condemn the person, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, for what do I have to do with judging outsiders, but to kind of slowly talk to them, right? Yeah. Will they sort of relationship to where we can lead into the gospel and you're going to get despised more times than not but you never know my thought is always this i might see that person standing on jesus's right hand on the day of judgment yeah and that's that's always our hope you know there's that and the reason the reason why you'll find guys like zach are so um persistent is one they not only believe hell is real they believe jesus is real and that that's a super good thing and so if you want somebody to have something good um you go for it and so and that's that's definitely and by the way with all this exhortation here i believe that this uh segues into a, a super awesome question we got from the no drama group um because it involves, well, it involves a, a healthy number of our listeners. So, um, so next week when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more um, about submission and authority. But today, uh, there's a question from Landon, and he asks us this. How do I raise my child to be well catechized but not become a legalistic parent? And first of all, the easy answer is, one, you can't be a legalistic parent and well catechize your kid, okay? Because that isn't well catechized if you're catechizing them into legalism. So, first of all, you can wipe the sweat off your brow and go, phew! And, and if you raise them to be antinomians, then you've, you haven't well catechized them. So, the thing of it is, when you're raising your kids, um, and it's like I was talking about with Zach, when you raise them and you teach them the catechism and stuff, you don't you do it in a way that you know, and maybe you've got to do a little self searching here, but you teach it to them because you believe it. It's not something that you just go, oh, now learn the Ten Commandments. It's to say that, you know, in your conversations, you might say to your kids, you know, this is this is why we don't obsess over money because there's there's times when. I believe that it could become my God. It's okay to show your kids, hey, you know what, I'm vulnerable to sin, death, and the devil. And and so materialism very much can become our God. And so it's okay to have nice things. We just have to be a moderate in moderation in our family. So it's a it's a whole life of walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Um, legalistic would be just always finding some uh, loophole or some weird interpretation or something like that to make yourself right or them wrong but in reality you might be saying well um, how can we understand this in light of what we believe not just a momentary exegesis but to be a little bit more holistic about it, a big picture kind of thing, um, you definitely want to bush league raise your kids, you know, to, to get them, to, get them uh, to be people that actively seek 
Christ in word and sacrament so that they know where to go and they know what to look for. It's not enough to say, just go to church, you're well catechized, but to say, go to church with the expectation that you will find Christ in word and sacrament. That's how you catechize your kids without being a legalistic parent, is you catechize them into a word and sacrament ministry in that sense and something they'll grow into, not out of. And, and those are excellent points. What I would add is there's going to be some trial and error, too, on what works for you and your family. So, you know, as I was catechizing my kids, we would do the small catechism, the small catechism, the small catechism, some other things. But, you know, I'm like, how do I offer them freedom? How do, how do we get to a point? Because I want them... They're going to go through confirmation, and they're going to get the small catechism again. Um, where do I take them at, at age 9 and 11? You know, where do I take them? And I'm like, I want them to know the scriptures. I want them to at least see them exegeted properly. And that's what we've done is, is I've, I've set up a system now where they read the same chapter five times a week, 20 minutes a day. So I do not exhaust them. And I let them choose what days they're going to read. And then I will sit down for about, it, it usually takes about an hour and a half to two and a half hours to preach a chapter to children like that because we're going and we're looking at the Old Testament. We're going and we're looking at the epistles. And they will remember later in life, hey, you know, I know I, if they hear something wrong, they're going to be like, I know that's wrong. The Holy Spirit's going to be working in them to point out that's wrong. And they'd be like, I know my dad, you know, taught me the, the meaning. It came to life, right? Um, again, we're kind of sticking on this teaching theme, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, is you're, you're not being a legalist when you catechize your kids. You're being a legalist if you, like, like Paul says, parents do, or children obey your parents in the Lord. Parents do not exasperate your children. Now, I look at my kids and I'm like, look, 20 minutes a day, five times a week, is not that difficult. If you got time for video games, TV, and Nintendo, you got 20 minutes on the scriptures, right? So, and I explain to them. I explain, and this is important for you to explain to your children too, probably. I hated this growing up. It was not fun for me. But I didn't realize the gift I was getting. And I was not even catechized well. Yeah. So I tell them, you're already at a huge advantage, and whether you like it or not, you will thank me later. So, I mean, that's the thing. When you look back, and you can admit to your children, look, I know that you feel bored. I know, but you won't okay god will captivate you just pay attention let him serve you with his word and you will later in life as you see yourself here's the problem with children is they they think they're invincible you know it, it, i i didn't think i thought i was indestructible until i started getting into my 20s and i'm like <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> i'm not superman i'm not gonna live forever and that's that's part of the law you know um when God comes to Moses, you know, Moses is, is, 
is identifying, I uh, hate to use that word in this culture, Moses identifies with his brother Israelites, even though he's in the palace. Yeah. But it's because Moses is, is growing older and he realizes his frailty as man as he faces the law. So, you know, this is when God uh, makes him a prophet, right? But this is not until later in Moses' life. But before that, Moses he had killed an Egyptian for uh, beating one of his fellow Israelites. So, teach your kids, you're going to make mistakes, but as Pastor Hoffman said, the, the, the one thing that you really need to do is is always have the absolution ready, too. Oh, so my, my My kids are under a new scam, though. They'll, they'll say, I'm sorry, Dad, right in the middle of me still yelling at them. I'm like, I'm not done yelling yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to wait about two more seconds. I'm not done with you yet. Wait, well, you do got to say to let me let me, uh, hear me out. Hear me out. And uh, that's that's actually okay. Um, but yeah, this is... And as a parent... And Zach started off the right way. He said, remember, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be imperfect. I have personally a rather sizable list of imperfections and mistakes that I've made in trying to be a good catechist for my own kids. I, I catechized the heck out of my congregational kids, and yet the, um, it was imperfect, and if I ever believed I was perfect, I'd probably step down from my call. And, and so it's to say that understand that bringing people into the faith is something that you, God willing, will do until you draw your last breath with your children. They'll always have something to learn from you. Don't forget that. Yes, and, and they need to see your weakness, too. They need to see you confess your sins and receive absolution. And they, they see that in church. They're watching you. They're watching you with your head bowed, your head low, because of your guilt, of your sin, as you meditated on the Ten Commandments before before absolution is pronounced, as you're making your confession, they see these things. So it's important that they see, yeah, my dad's a sinner. He's not a hypocrite. So, you know, we that's, that's how. That's how you don't become a legalist, is you actually show them, I need this grace also. Mm-hmm. Well, again, that that is one of the best ways to not be a legalist is to be right there, saying, "I'm here for what Christ, who for who Christ is, and for what He has for me as well." Not, you know, there are people that will drop their kids off here at church and take off and go get waffles, or they would come and drop them off for Sunday school. And you know, we're always glad that the kids are here, but in the back of my head, I'm saying, "Wow." They're getting all the good stuff here, but the the reinforcing at home is lousy. Yes, but praise be to God, I, I that you know he's the one that keeps keeps the faith, and that's that's the good news in all this is that it's not your responsibility to make sure 
your children have faith. It's your responsibility to teach your children in the faith. God is the one keeping the faith. Yeah. Um, so definitely, um, so we look here. So, you know, I hope that answers your question. Um, because, Landon, it's a good question. It, cer it certainly brings us to the heart of many of us on this group and of the listeners to this podcast are parents. So this is an extremely relevant. And maybe, maybe your kids who think your parents just did a lousy job of, of catechizing you. And now's the time where you, you, as part of my catechesis for you, is to be forgiving of them. And to, and to not place them in the place of God as far as their perfection goes, but to be understanding that they too are a fallen and broken person who was trying and perhaps unsuccessfully. Um, but that's the point is, is you know, you don't, you don't want them, you don't want to hate them for their lack of perfection. Otherwise, you're not looking at your own imperfection. Sort of speck and log... <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know what? You make a good point. And, and, and to to really give that some life, you know, that, that kid was me. All I had was confirmation through church. I had my, my two years of catechism. God bless my mother for getting me there. But my mom was no theologian, right? So, um, and I really didn't have any questions because as a kid you know everything right i got this jesus stuff down oh yeah you know but yeah but you, you know you look at me today and you would never think that was the case right so again it's it's god doing the work and he'll work through the imperfections of our frailty i think it's good that you're asking the questions how do i do this because that shows that i mean these kids already have a leg up you know, on the rest of, of the world, because, I mean, you don't get a lot of, of godliness in the world. That's just the way it is. That's what the scriptures teach. Narrow narrow is the way uh, that leads to life, and broad is the way that, that leads to destruction. Yeah. And unfortunately, people choose the waffles. They choose the destruction. Yep. I agree. Well, you know what? I think that's a pretty good... A pretty good way to end this. So um, I hope that I hope that this uh, you know it seemed to be very relevant for what what Peter was talking about going over to Landon and his questions. And uh, I hope that this is continuing to be a blessing to you. So until next time, this is Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher saying God bless your week. <laughs>